podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Irishman Johnny Kenny and Australian Riley McGree have become the latest recruits to sign up for the Ange Revolution this week. With a bit of luck, we'll all be allowed back into Celtic Park next Monday to see them as they and our new stars from Japan look to step out in the hoops for the very first time. This is episode 52 of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. This is Tino and this week I'm joined by Miff and James to cover all things Celtic. Miff, the dogs keep barking and the signings keep coming. What do you make of the latest developments? Uh, hello Tino, hello James, hello folks. Uh, I'm quite surprising them. We're, we're not very renowned for <laughs> for January our plentiful January business, but um, seems we're, we're really going for it. Uh, been m- multiple links with, with the club, and it doesn't seem there's been a lot of links with players going the other way either, which, which is quite surprising. So, no, um, quite quite surprised, but but pleasantly surprised, I have to say. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy, if I'm being honest. Yeah. James, welcome back for your first show of 2022. Are you, you pleased with how Celtic have gone about their business so far? Very professional. You have to say they've been planning this for... <laughs> Three, four months, I would say. Um, and it's a refresh. You know, things like your sorrows going out, Shaw going on loan, as well as the guys coming in. Very exciting stuff. And it's all positive Ange Ball football type signings. Not all at the back. It's all about the uh, going forward. So, yeah, I've been very impressed. And how Michael Nicholson managed to get the debit card, I'll never know. <laughs> uh, business at the back, party at the front seems to be Ange's approach. <laughs> so we'll get to that in a wee bit. So we spent a good deal of time last week on the new guys from Japan, particularly Maeda and Adeguchi. They spoke to the media at Lennox Town for the first time last week. So we're not going to go over any old ground there. Hatate, however, he arrived a bit later and he was finally unveiled on Saturday. Uh, Ange's ended any speculation about you know the left-back suggestion. He said he's signed here as a, an attacking midfielder. He'll be wearing the number 41 shirt, last worn notably by current coach John Kennedy, and should provide strong competition for Turnbull and Rogic. James, are you excited to see him step into the midfield, and do you think he goes right in? Depends what else happens. You know, McCree's to possibly heard just before we came on here that he might well have just signed, so he's attacking midfielder as well. Gucci's in there as more of your kind of holding. There's other options already at the club, so... I think this is just the the depth that Ange needs in the midfield because it's such a high intense high intensity game. So there's going to be rotation within that and he has to be replacing like for like, unlike we saw at Leverkusen where it was replacing like with much, much poorer. Yeah, definitely. Muff, Hatati comes with a big reputation. He's won the J-League the last two seasons with Kawasaki Frontale. Uh, we're getting him at a good time in his career, 24 years of age. Yeah, well, again, it's, um, it kind of bucks the, the trend of how we normally sign players because we either sign projects or tends to be players coming in maybe more towards the, the end of their career. I, I like the fact that we're signing someone, you know, like you say, still probably reached their peak, but has already played a lot of times and won things. I think that that's really, really important. The James kind of referenced the point there, which I think is a really important one, is it, there seems to be a certain type of player we're signing. You know, if you look in the summer, could you have said that? I know Ange has said that he signed Starfield, but I still don't believe him. You know, the, the, the intensity that Ange wants to play with, it's, it's athletic, agile type players that we seem to be signing. That That's the bit that excites me the most. There's there's a plan. There's a, there's a definite plan here. And at least we can see if, if it doesn't work, we did back the manager. Yeah, I think so. It is interesting. There's no doubt. So, you know, we'll get in a second about the, the newest signings, but there's five signings that have come in here and maybe take the young Irishman out of the equation. Certainly four, three Japanese and, and one Australian. 
it's it's ad centric, isn't it? Yeah, it's all football and it's all going forward. It's got to be exciting for any fan when you're playing the exciting football already and then your manager goes out and signs four attacking type players, you know, so looking forward to it. It's ironic that we're going to play Hibs next Monday because it looks like we're going to set up with a, a famous five forward line and just go, go like some sort <laughs> of two, three, five formation to accommodate these guys. So to touch on the new signing, so also confirmed on Saturday was our fourth signing of the window in the shape of young Irishman Johnny Kenny, 18-year-old striker arriving from Sligo Rovers, um, League of Ireland. A fee is believed to be around about £150,000. 2021 was his breakthrough season and he scored 11 times and I think he's assisted once or twice depending on where you get your, your info. He signed in a five-year deal as well and it's an interesting continuation of, of that pattern but Miff, obviously we don't have too much info on him just yet. He's not officially been unveiled but do you see him as a squad player or a development player or where do you see him fitting in? Well, it, seem, it seems to me he's going to be a, a development player. And Dawson was similar as well because we, we brought him in in the summer went into the B squad um, we signed is it Lassen as well for Watford he's went into the B squad it seems we are purchasing decent young prospects with a view to develop them and bring them on into the first team so if, if, if we're if we're purchasing good young talent I'm, I'm all for it um, I've seen some some footage of Kenny he looks very mobile I have to say he looks like a bit of a buzz bomb up front so here's hoping that he can come in I mean Scales having made a, a very similar move I think he really does look the part and it will only get better with, with more games and, and the more he kinda the more he features for Ange. So it would be nice to think that, that Kenny would have a, a similar type of impact where he would he would at least be involved in and around the first team squad. But I still think um there's there's more more to come uh, in January in terms of bolstering at the front line. I, I did say that last week. And I see just when you speak about Hibs, I've saw a fairly persistent link with Martin Boyle yeah. um through the week as well, which I find strange based on who we've seen. Mm-hmm. I think so as well. I've never thought we were going to sign Boyle. The, the latest tonight, actually, um, I heard as I was coming in was that they've knocked back two and a half million from a Saudi Arabian club and they just seem to be doing the rounds of Martin Boyle and try to get what they can and, and yeah. you know, bargaining with him. But I don't think he's a right fit. I think at three million, when you see what we can get from Japan and other territories, I don't think we should be spending that money on Boyle. But we'll see what plays out. Um, James, just, you know, back to, to Johnny Kenny. As Miff said, obviously we've got links there and we've got you know strong connections as a club with Ireland. We've also got skills that's now come in. Is he the kind of player that we should always be signing, you know, the, the best young talent from that league, you know, as much as we can in terms of some teams will have competition from the Premier League and that's tough to deal with. But when and where we can, should we be bringing in these young prospects? Yeah, as long as we can show them a pathway. You know, there's a good friend of ours, Graham, you'll know from Dublin, he's a big Bose fan, knows a lot more about League of Ireland than I would. And he said, just almost quote what you said there he said exactly the kind of player we should be signing so if we got guys like that and we can show them the path and you know, we're starting to see that with multiple players I think that's always been a part of Celtic and it really frayed that line between youth and first team really frayed over the last few years mm. and I think I'm just starting to bolster that again so as long as the path's there yeah get them yeah. in I seen a guy sniping when he signed he, he quote tweeted the signing and said you know I just hope Celtic don't ruin so, another young Irishman's career and it was like well you know if you're good enough you will make it through there's exactly. a couple of guys whether it's Jonathan Affalabi or Leo Connor and stuff who probably aren't going to make it to Celtic but I would argue that's because they just don't have the ability or the talent you know I might be proven wrong in that but if you're good enough you make it and there's no doubt that Ange will give these young guys a chance so maybe less so under the guys like Lennon maybe Rogers. I think Ange will bring a guy in give him every chance to to show what he's worth and if you're good enough you'll play well, I think based on the, sorry Jim no, just based on the weekend with regards to a corner I know Ross Doohan's there as well but a corner and Doohan seemed to receive <coughs> fairly 
decent praise for the, the Tranmere fans <coughs> yeah. at the weekend. So sometimes players just find their level. If, if that's the level that Connor's at, then, then so be it. But he's been at Man United. He's been at Celtic. Maybe it's just a case of him getting some experience and then coming back and enjoying the squad. But I think, you know, based on the chats we were having in the summer, we, we would have probably had him starting before Ralston. Just purely on the basis that he wasn't Tony Ralston. Yeah. Um, it just shows you, it just shows you though that it can happen. Maybe maybe he'll progress if he been out loan another season. Yeah. O'Connor did play uh, down in Wales. I think he played against Sheffield Wednesday and maybe um, in the game against Charlton. Was I, think it? He, I think he played against Preston as well. Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> I think you're right. I think he may have found his level. Um, but in terms of Kenny, um, you're right, James. So Graham over in Dublin, I think he described him as an excellent prospect, very impressive, and definitely the kind of guy we should be signing. Um, his squad numbers yet to be confirmed, and I suppose that will tell us if he's signed for first team or not. He signs off his tweets at the moment with JK. 24 so maybe <laughs> that's what he's looking for we don't currently have a, a 24 so we'll see how that plays out um, but yeah it very much remains to be seen whether he is development team or first team somebody who should certainly be first team you know if all's confirmed with the signing is Riley McGree so breaking news today is that 23 year old Australian Riley McGree is signing from Charlotte FC in the MLS for a fee of around about 3 million you're not paying that to stick him in the B team with, no. with those guys he spent the last year and a bit at Birmingham City in the Championship his stats are a bit sketchy. I think he's only got a couple of assists, you know, maybe 13 uh, appearances, something like that. But he's a guy that's very well known to Ange. I think Ange gave him his first call-up in 2017. I don't think he featured him in the sco- in the team that played at that time, but he brought him in to train and, and get a good look at him. So he clearly knows him very well. The suggestion is also that Ange got involved personally to, to make sure this deal goes over the line. So... If I'd mentioned earlier on, you're obviously a bit of a, a championship aficionado at times, but do you know much about McGree or is it a bit no, new to you as well? No, no he's no somebody, I know he'd spent a bit of time at Birmingham, but he's no somebody that um, that I came across my radar, <laughs> for want of a better expression. Um, however, again, I think it just follows that theme that we've already discussed in that Ange has been involved in the signing and is someone that, that Ange wants, so... Based on what we're seeing so far, that that's it's got to be good enough for us. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, given he's got history with him, given he knows the player well, and he thinks he can come in and do a job for us, then I'm I'm happy enough with that. My my question would be, we saw the looking like leave and, and Shaw going out and loan. Still, with the signings that we've made, we would still seem as it stands a bit bloated yeah. in the the central midfield area. So my my question would be, who's going to move on? I had I had heard a rumor purely just a rumour that, that Turnbull was potentially going to West Ham. I would doubt that, given how much he's featured under Ange. I don't think he would be the one to go. Mm-hmm. But it does beg the question, we'll probably need to make room somewhere. I think we definitely do, because the last last thing you want to any club, you've heard the rumblings at Man United, you know, it's a broken club and there's so much politics and so many issues. But they've got so many guys that are hanging around that are just not going to feature. You know, they've got Martial wants out, Pogba's doing Pogba things. Um, you know, you get Matic... This isn't a man new thing, but you, you know, you've got all these guys that believe in themselves, they think they're talents and they're just not playing. Celtic are going to end up with a similar position if you've got guys like Ayeti and Sorrow and some other guys that you've mentioned there, Muff. And I don't think it, it makes for a, a good environment at Lennox Town if they are hanging around on the fringes knowing that they're not going to feature. So there's a job to be done by Ange and, and whoever else, James, in terms of moving guys out at this window. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that those moves are at play it's just a financial question so if they can move those guys on and find the right deals they will move on and if the deals aren't quite right they won't so it's a matter of asking the Celtic board and the Celtic finance how much cloth do you want to cut here to make space Um, but I don't think there's any uh, 
doubt that you know every Celtic fan and everyone at Celtic knows that these guys aren't quite going to fit. Yeah, I think so. I wonder if Barkas is up there at Lennox Town causing chaos, Muff. <laughs> Falling out everybody. Ah, can he? Can he? Feeling guys I, I, goes at the pool just, table. I just don't think he could be bothered. Yeah. To go back to Riley McGree. So he's a, a left-footed attacking midfielder. Um, he's been capped seven times by Australia. And like Hatati, he should provide that competition for Turnbull and for Rogic. So as you say, it's great to have options, but you just don't want to have too many options, do you? Because it can lead to a bit of unrest. Well, it's, it's a fine balance, but like we know from certain games this season when you've looked at the bench it's been Sorrell Shaw Uragidi that have been options that have had to come off it so I think what I just try to do is just eliminate that so that each time he's naming a squad he's got he's got that plan B plan C whatever it is to, to go to um, I think he's been fairly restricted this season in terms of the depth of the squad Definitely. Um, another name to mention in there I, I know we, we spoke about him at length last, last week's McCarthy where does he fit in with mm-hmm. us as well you know it, to me there's just now that we've got clearly Angie's players in, it's raising a lot more questions around other players in the squad and, and where their future lies. Yeah. yeah. If you talked about guys finding their level, you know, talking specifically at the time about uh, Leo O'Connell there. O'Connell? O'Connell? O'Connell. Um, what she need. Exactly. Is that where Ewan Henderson's found himself? So he's now moved out to Hibs. He was obviously, you know, well-respected, well-thought of within the academy. We know all about his brother Liam, who's forged out a good career in, in Serie A now. Um, and I think a lot of folk were very hopeful that Henderson was going to make it. Now, you can't please all the people all the time. That Now that he's moved on and we are starting to, you know, uh, you know, move on some some kind of bloated uh, players. He's not a bloated player. I've just, I've got that all wrong. I've got to say that. Bloated squad. Yeah. You Henderson. We've moved him on from a bloated squad and he's over to Hibs now. I think it's fine. I think it's a move that suits all parties. He's initially on loan. It'll become a permanent deal in the summer and he goes with everyone's best wishes. You've then got other folk kicking up on Twitter saying, this is a disgrace. Young guys aren't getting a chance. But you only have to look at the first team just now or the first team squad to see, you know, McGregor and Forrest and Welsh and Mikey Johnson and Montgomery and various other guys, Dane Murray around the squad, uh, Owen Moffat. Loads of guys do get their chance at Celtic and at that point it's over to them to to prove themselves. I think Henderson's been unlucky that he's come around at Celtic at a time when the midfield is jam-packed with decent players, but I think it's just the right move. I, don't, I mean, with regards to Henderson, he he was in and around the squad when Rodgers was there. He, he, was, he was actually starting a few games and then after Rogers left he just seemed to completely fall out of contention now that can be a, 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 for different reasons he went out on loan by all accounts he didn't exactly set the head on fire I think it was uh, Dunfermline he went to on loan he did. Um, so it's just it's just one of those, those things I, I don't think Henderson ever actually let us down I think it was always fairly impressive when he played in the first team but like, like you say if you look at it and you've been at Celtic running around the first team squad for three, four years and you can still count one hand the amount of times you've started the game, you're you're probably getting the vibe that your future does lie elsewhere. Yeah. Albeit that I thought after, especially after after Betis had enough of an impact where he might have got a, a wee bit more game time, but he didn't. That that in itself tells you a story. I, I think he maybe just lacked a wee yard of pace or a bit of dynamism he, get about the park yeah, for, yeah. for Ange that, that's the bit for me he was certainly skillful enough um, probably a bit like his brother to be honest with him Liam Henderson was a cracking player he actually scored on Sunday Did he yeah, scored for Empoli on Sunday yeah. Aye. Yeah. give away a penalty then scored the ball um, I would say there's, there's, there's more to it than just ability he's a talented player but in Angie's first refresh here while he'll also be doing the same attitudinally where are these players at 
you know, not just in terms of are they professional, do they turn up? Are they chasing down when they lose the ball? All of these things come in Angie's thinking. It's, it's not just can you play football, can you play my football and are you showing up with the attitude that I need? Yeah. And that might be part of it. <clears throat> Maybe. I mean, I don't think there's anything to suggest he's not got a good attitude as not a kid, but he might not but the, be. the Harry and the, the chasing right down. The other thing is, if there's you know, he's maybe now three or four Celtic managers in who have all had a look. And with all due respect, I do think he's a talent, but they've maybe just decided that he's not enough of a talent to move through. And listen, there's other guys that, you know, move on to Celtic and forge out good careers and I wish him all the best, but I just don't think he's the fit at this moment in time. Another guy that falls into that bracket, certainly right now, is Liam Shaw. So he's joined Mother on loan. And I actually think this is a move that Celtic should be making. Mm-hmm. Get him out, you know, get Uruguay out in a positive way to go and learn their trade play 90 minutes week in, week out, and then come back to us in the summer as, as better players? Well, first of all, I think he came to the town and was absolutely blown away um, by how, you know, the surroundings was... In the, pre- the ML pre- postcode area? Pre- pretty special, ML1, pretty special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot um, of good guys up there. So, oh, well, listen, don't need to tell me that. Um, Shaw is the classic case of someone that just has to play games. I, I think you've seen enough with him in Uruguay that there's there's something there to work with. You, you just need games, go out and play. Um, and I think Mother will be a good... I think Alexander spoke really well of him actually um, when when he signed him. So no, I'll, I'll be interested to see how that goes. Yeah, um, you were talking about uh, Liam Henderson uh, in Italian football. The suggestion is that we've knocked back a bit of one and a half million from Udinese for Stephen Welsh, so twenty-one year old centre half. Obviously, we all know him pretty well by now. What do you think of that? I think that one it's split opinion on Twitter, particularly about whether we should be accepting that bit or not. For me, no absolutely chance. not. He's he's yeah. certainly. Th- third choice and a half right now we'll see what happens with Julian but why would you develop a guy like that get him in the first team and put him for, for quite a paltry amount as well and he's also developing he's going through his development he's just been rushed into the squad you know maybe earlier than Celtic would have wanted so I see enough in Wales that there's, there's something there and I wouldn't want to see him leaving the club while he's still in that development phase if somebody wanted to come in and be stupid and give us 12 rising to 16 million for a guy who doesn't play football <laughs> then maybe Can't maybe he? But um, no, not at this stage. One and a half million, that's just ridiculous. And what they're doing is they're trying to snap up players that they can then punt on to other leagues for you know profit. It's, it's a reasonable model, but mm. that's not going to fly. You've seen it actually with uh, the left-back, Aaron Hickey. 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 He's come in there, he's doing a decent job and it looks like he might kick on to different levels. Villabert uh, linked with him and various other sides. So maybe, you know, Italian teams are seeing some good young talent here in Scotland thinking they can develop them and kick them on at another time. I mean, what do you think, Matthew? Where do you stand on Stephen Welsh? I, I wouldn't be selling him. Um, I think he's got a role to play. What would it cost us to replace him? Mm. Would be another question if you take one and a half million in from somebody that's, you know, kind of settled and in the squad. It, 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 at least double, I would say, to, to replace him. So no, it just doesn't make any sense to me. The, the actual inquiry doesn't make a lot of sense to me, to be perfectly honest with you. Obviously, there's a, a model behind it that the, the Italian clubs have maybe maybe sought out but because I know they've got a link with Watford as well um, Udinese I think they're same ownership okay. um, but for me no I, I, I would keep them I've seen a lot of people thinking I've seen one comment saying we need to, we need to get better at knowing when to sell but selling a 21 year old for one and a half million that's still part of the squad for me that's just a big no yeah, yeah. I agree with that don't think it makes much sense at this moment in time um, so I've picked up on the fact that we've actually used 33 players so far this season a lot of bodies and the new signings, so five new signings, as well as the potential return of Julian and Carol Moko Dembele, could take that up to 40 players very easily. That is a lot of guys to go through in, in any season of football. So James always knew this was going to be a season of transition for Ange, but it's it's a lot of bodies to be in and around the first team squad, isn't it? 
Yeah, but I think this points to something you said earlier on about, you know, potentially creating unrest. That that for me isn't inevitable. It's about communication and saying to players on the way in, as I'm sure McCree has been told on the way in, that we need a lot of players for this midfield because the way we play football and it'll be during the game and it'll be during the season, we'll need that that level of depth. So yeah, 40s, you know, maybe too many, but we know there's going to be bodies going out the other side of that as well. And bear in mind that when Ange, you know, started this journey, he was using guys, you know, no one's mentioning Dane Murray just now, you know, he, he played a, a serious part in getting the season off to, a, you know, a, a start. So that'll be in your, your number of 33 as well. So yeah. there's guys that have played and they'll drop back down to develop much as Dawson will and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. You've also got uh, Ryan Christie and Edward in the mix. Of course. Joey Dawson, as you mentioned. So yeah. Owen Moffat. I, th- I think it just uh, highlights the, the scale of the job that Ange yeah. inherited because he's had to go through all, all those players at times. You know, the fact that Dawson's even featured or Moffat's even featured has been down to just how riddled with injuries we've been. Yeah. And, uh, you, again, you can argue that's a byproduct of the way Ange is training them to play the way that he wants them to play. Um, so th- that number of players, if, if Ange decides we need 10 midfielders, we need 10 midfielders. <laughs> that's the way it is, lads. I, I think that's it. And I think it just, as you say, if it just shows how big the the overhaul has been for Ange and that in itself, it's no mean feat, is it, to, to juggle those players? So as I say, we're approaching potentially using 40 guys, but by and large, he's had to, he's had to do what he's had to do, you know, on an almost weekly basis, he's had to shuffle the pack at different times. And I suppose it shows shows his skill in doing so and still getting us to the position where we're seriously fighting for the league and having already, you know, picked up the first trophy. Seriously fighting and putting ourselves in a stronger position to to achieve that. You know, trophies in the trophy room overhauled a fuel squad, playing football that we all want to see. Um I think the job he's done so far is nothing short of remarkable and it's it's the very start of what we're going to get to see. Before we move on to our next section, I just want to give a quick word of thanks to all those who have continued to support and listen to the podcast and their numbers in recent weeks and months. The response has been amazing and it's really appreciated by everyone here at the show. We also launched our very first episode on YouTube last week and again the response has been great, so thanks genuinely to everyone who's viewed, commented and subscribed to the page there. If you like what we do here at the Celtic Exchange and want to offer a small bit of support, then could we ask you to take the following very small steps and I promise it'll only take you a couple of minutes of your time. So if you listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or any other podcast platform, can I ask you to either subscribe or follow us there and to leave a short five-star review if possible. Alternatively, if you prefer to watch us on YouTube and with Housewife's favourite myth taking centre stage, then why wouldn't you? <laughs> Please subscribe to the YouTube page, like this episode and of course, let us know any comments or feedback in the comments section. That's it, quick and easy, and it really goes a long way to helping us do what we do. So, back to the show. As is always the case at this time of year, or any sort of transfer window, we continue to be linked with numerous names, and, you know, some will come to fruition and some definitely won't. Are you hearing any of yourself? Have you guys got anything that you've heard of? The Iranian uh, link, yeah. although that then led me to look, and i seen that on the 7th of December, there was a, an article saying that we'd scouted three players for Iran, one of which was a striker, Gia. Had Jihadier? Oh, I don't know. Gaiedi. So, the, the guy Aye. that's been linked just now, good job you're on the case, Miff. So, it's Iranian international forward, Mehdi Gaiedi, 23 <laughs> years of age. Gaiedi. Uh, he currently plays with Shabab Al Ali in the United Arab Emirates Pro League. Uh, his Wikipedia page has already been updated. Some very creative and <laughs> bored people out there. I'm not sure how accurate this is, but we'll, we'll run through it. So, Mehdi Francis Patrick Gaiedi, <laughs> born 5th December 98, is an Iranian professional footballer who plays as a left winger for Sinch Premiership Club Celtic and the Iran national team. Uh, on January 10th, it was reported that Celtic were interested in signing the player. 
with Ange Postacoglu and Michael the Money Man Nicholson getting the deal over the line for a fee of £1,888 plus Chris Commons. Gaeda <laughs> was quoted as saying when announced for the hoops, I grew up watching Celtic, the likes of Stefan Shepovic, Chifche and Carlton Cole have inspired me to become the player I am today. On the 30th of February 2022, he was arrested for using PSWATP in place of a full stop. In 1967, he was forced to retire after sustaining career-ending injuries from a strain near Lennon air quote. I don't know how much of that is accurate or not, but it just shows there's a, a lot of people out there with a lot of time I on their hands. I was going to say that, aye, so obviously lads have got a bad time in their hands, but um, no, I'd, I'd seen the article for the, for the 7th of December. Um, I, I wish to God I had actually remembered the three names, but Guide was one of them. And I think it just, again, it goes to show we are looking south of the equator for, for players. Um, Angie's obviously got a knowledge of, of um, Asian football from his time uh, as Australian national coach. So if that, that taps us into yet another market that we've not had any exposure to, then then great. But the, the danger is that, you know, not everybody's got to be a Kyogo, as I said last week, and, and that not even just the impact he's had the way that he's clearly obviously settled as well mm-hmm. you know it, it's just it's fairly unprecedented so I think this is the most active January <laughs> that there's, there's right. been in like, I think since Mowbray was manager and we, logical we brought, you know, we, it makes we brought, sense we brought in quite a few we brought in Keane and Cameron yeah. players like that at that time um, this is different it's, it's a really targeted approach um, it's obviously been worked on behind the scenes but it will just be interesting come the end of January what the squad's going to look like because it could, it could even look just completely different Yeah mm-hmm. I mean you know there's a couple of other links here at the moment out with some of the usual stuff we're hearing Martin Boyle's an ongoing link as I say I don't think that'll happen but we'll see the other one doing the rounds today is uh, 24 year old Alfred Goodmanson mm-hmm. an Icelandic international winger he's currently at AZ Alkmaar don't yeah. know if he played against us or not I, I think he check. did yeah, yeah. A- he, I think he's out of contract in the summer. I think, I think you're right with that. Um, he was previously at PSV. I think he's picked up 20-odd caps for Iceland, so he must be a decent player. But I suppose my point on these various links, in addition to who we've already signed, we're not been linked with many guys who aren't wingers or forwards. And that's exciting, that's great, but you need to close the door at the back well, as well, don't you? Six guys in the left wing, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we spoke last week, James, we spoke to Sinky and asked Muff as well, you know, where the priorities were. Myself and Sinky certainly agreed that left back was still a, you know, a gap for us. So where do you stand on that? Even a couple of days ago, I completely agreed with that. But just as you're starting to see what Ange's doing this window, he's kind of saying what we've got at the back is what we've got at the back. It's good enough for the way I play football. We've got cover. I think Skills, Skills is a player, by the way. I, th- I think he's a number one left back. Taylor's great cover. You've got Juranovic and uh, Ralston on the right. There's a bit of a you know body of players to play centre half. And Ange's probably looking at it going, yeah, we'll get by with that. So why don't I focus my budget on where I really want to be, which is playing football? Yeah. Matt, are you looking forward to seeing your first 9-5 scoreline for Celtic? <laughs> which <laughs> is definitely in the post. I say, looks like it's gone that way. I'm I, I'm just intrigued. I'm, as you can probably tell, I don't really quite know what to make it. I'll, it's just how it's going to play out because naturally we're not going to sign everybody we've been linked with. But to this point, we pretty much have signed everybody we've been linked with mm. in January. So um, squad overhaul... And never really get the time to do it in August or July. So he's making up for lost time. The, the danger is that the, the state of flux kind of ruptures the, the harmony in, in the squad because there's people coming in, people going out. But we just need to wait and see. It's, it's work that was needing done. And, and I think I made mention this previously as well. 
very on sale to like to do business in January, but if we're doing business in January with an I2 pre-season and being fully prepared for the qualifiers, yeah. then yeah. it's a nice change of pace, it's a nice change of strategy, and I'm all for it. I think as a fan base, we've been crying out for it because mm. too often over the years, we haven't prioritised Champions League qualification. We wait till it comes around in summer. We then bemoan the fact that we have these qualifiers so soon and we can't sign guys and we can't prepare. So why wouldn't you prepare in January for, you know, all the riches that the Champions League can offer, you know, touch wood if we get there and all that. Um, it just makes perfect sense. Start this in January, bed these guys in, particularly if they're coming from Asia and, and different territories. Let them get used to Glasgow, let them get used to Ange, let them get used to the football. And it'll stand as in good stead for the qualifiers, if unless we qualify immediately, of course, through winning the league. Yeah, it's definitely an opportunity. Listen, James, um, we've all got the same 24 hours in a day. It's what we do. With that's what I keep hearing these days, aye. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it is Celtic, you know, starting to look like a professional scouting transfer operation squad operation um, and we've needed that for a long time and I don't doubt that Rogers has that in his locker I think he was blocked from doing it the way he wanted to do that I think that's that's pretty common knowledge I think Lennon came in and it wasn't the focus he wasn't getting the final say and I just came in and said if I'm going to play the players I'm signing the players and as much as in the summer he maybe didn't do all of those this one way definitely is yeah I mean I think just not in a not necessarily in a good way. I understand it's, you know, do the jobs that's required right now. But at the moment, Ange's, you know, first team manager, head of recruitment, head of scouting, head of team harmony, head of everything. You kind of half expect him to appear in the canteen serving the chips, Miff. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where does it stop? He's got too much to do. And he's the best at all of them. He's the best. That's I. I just think that seems to be his nature. I think he's he's going to live or die by his decisions and the way that he wants the club to be run, how he sees fit. Again, we were, we were crying out for that. Um, this time last year we, we just felt so rudderless it was announced I think that Lowell was, was leaving and we we were wondering what sort of overhaul was going to going to be done and it looks like we've just got to bring in one guy <laughs> to do, do the lot, the lot yeah. um, but I think that it'll be staggered over time that, that Angel will get the, the sort of foundations and the, and the people in that he trusts bear in mind that he has, he has come over here himself you know without a backroom team so I think that's just that's just sort of steadily building and we should, I would imagine, see developments in that over the coming months. Yeah, I mean, James, you picked up on a, a good podcast episode this week and it's maybe a timely moment in the show to talk about that. So it was an episode with Ange from a podcast called Masterminds Podcast with a fella called Anthony Hudson, if I've yeah. got that right. It was from back in March 2020, but do you want to let us know any wee kind of nuggets that you've picked up on from that one? Yeah, I suppose much props to JC16 for putting us on to that. She was the one that kind of sent it across. Yeah. Um, Actually, an interesting guy himself, Anthony Hudson, a, a real kind of uh, pursuit of excellence kind of guy. He's the assistant manager of USA, America. He used to manage New Zealand's team. He's been around the game a long time. He's he's, he's close to Ange's journey, and this is a just uh, just after Ange's won the league um, over in Japan. So one of the really important points I took from it was Ange talking about and this is two years before or a year before Celtic was even on the radar. He spoke about that. Backroom, backroom side of things and he likes to come in where there's people there that don't know them don't know him don't know his ways because they then challenge him more than someone if he took someone with him they would go oh that's Angie's thing I'll just agree with that and go along and you learn nothing from people who agree with you so he wants your oh, Kendi your McManus to say oh. why are you doing it that way tell us a bit more about that I just thought it was something I'd, I'd never really thought of before and I suppose a wider comment to the Scottish football media um, reporters, why, why are they not? Why have they not heard that podcast? Why have I heard that and they haven't? Because they're still asking questions about backroom. Yeah, yeah, they possibly haven't. Just have 
know, chose to ignore it. It's an interesting agenda. But yeah, it's interesting. I've listened to wee bits of it and I'll, I'll listen to it in more detail. What we'll do is we'll link to this in the show notes. So it's called The Masterminds Podcast by Anthony Hudson and it's an episode from March 2020. But just gives more of an insight into Ange because we hear him a lot just now, or we certainly have done in the first six months of his, of his time. And a lot of the time, in a fairly positive way, he's repeating himself, but it's just because he knows his systems and, and his methods and what he believes in and he just reinforces that message so it was good just you know from that point of view James to hear something a wee bit different on Ange so definitely want to check out moving forward so obviously the, you know the excitement is building ahead of Monday uh, of next week and that's the return of football after about three and about weeks Celtic will welcome Sean Maloney's Hibs to Celtic Park slightly conflicting newspaper reports at this moment in time so we're recording here on Monday evening and we'll find out more tomorrow uh, I'm sure but it's yet to be confirmed if Phil Houses will be back uh, in the Premier League and um, we'll wait for that confirmation so Muff, I mean as we look to you know to hit the ground running and get back in a, a decent run of form how important would it be to have those fans there for that? Well, I think it's absolutely vital um, I think it's been shown this season the, the sort of bond that's grown between the, the, the fans and the, and the players Um so yeah, it's vitally important. You know, full full Celtic Park again. Something we referenced pre-season when we were talking about the up- upcoming season is that a full Celtic Park back in the team will only have a positive effect on the players, and it's proven to be the case this season. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be vital. It'll be vital, and I think every day after after a fairly um, you know the, the the festive period was dampened somewhat by the fact that the football stopped. You know, crowd, crowds were restricted. I think everybody will be really anxious just to get back and go and support their team regardless of what team they support. Yeah. James, in addition to obviously us as supporters hopefully getting back in, it's also huge for the new guys, isn't it? I mean, I'm thinking of the, the three guys from Japan. Don't know if it's too soon for a, a Johnny Kenny and, you know, McGree. McGree, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just sounds a bit unusual. Mark, Mark McGree's son. But it's huge for the new guys, isn't it? And it's a big reason why players signed for Celtic in the first place to, to experience that, that full house and hopefully they can get that next Monday. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> McGree slightly accepted but for the Japanese lads they've had a wee bit of time to bond with the squad as well so it's kind of perfect they've got a bit of Angie's training under their belts and then there's a full live game just right around the corner can't come quick enough for me I think it was obviously a common sense thing that the winter break was brought forward but it's time now and you know listen I'll get into the numbers and all that stuff but hopefully you know, we can get fans there. Yeah, common sense for most people. Yeah, some people argue against the break, which Co- is... Common sense isn't that common. Yeah, that's true. So, Muff, what kind of test can we expect from, from this, I say, new hip side under Maloney? They've been signing a lot of bodies, so obviously Ewan Henderson won't be eligible for it, uh, given that we are still his parent club, but they've signed a few other guys. They've signed someone from Bodo Glimt, I think. Yes, and they signed Harry Clark from, from Arsenal on loan, who'd been at Ross County as well. Yeah. Um, I think Maloney's going in there and... He's done fairly well first first couple of games. Uh, you would expect that from any time I've heard him speak. He comes across quite well. He's good experience, obviously, being away with Belgium. So, hey, no, good luck to him, apart from Monday night. Yeah. Um, it'll be a tough test, but we've shown this season we can we can take care of Hibs. It's just we, we need to apply that. Both teams, by the sounds of it, will have some new signings in their point yeah. as well. So, it'll, it'll just be it's a really interesting game. Good game to hopefully welcome the fans back to it and I'm really really looking forward to it so they're currently fifth in the table James they're behind the likes of Hearts and Motherwell but they'll, they'll be looking to set down a marker during the second half of the season I believe Paul McGinn and Ryan Portis are both suspended uh, for this one they're both first choice defenders mm. so that's going to put them under pressure considering the attack and intent Celtic will have you know in a home game well and it's interesting because any other manager any other team coming to Parkhead would say well I've lost two of my first choice defenders so I'm going to go to hard banks of five, low block football, all that stuff. I can't see Maloney taking that on. I think he's 
football philosophy, you know, having been a Celtic guy, is similar enough to Angie's in terms of he wants to play attractive football, which can obviously go against them without, you know, with a couple of players out and stuff like that. So a lot remains to be seen as to how that game is going to go. I don't think Maloney's going to come and defend. I think he's going to come and play football, yeah. which should play to our advantage. Miff, always bet responsibly, but £2 correct score. 9-5 Celtic you going for it looks like it look, I'm all in yeah. over 14.5 goals <laughs> um, so yeah in terms of who who will feature for Celtic it's very very hard to call you know for a time there you could easily pick out the lineup, and it was fairly settled now that's all <laughs> been blown out out the water in a good way um, it'll likely be too early for guys like Julian obviously he's back training and we'll see how he goes there will be a bit of hope that Jota makes it you know I don't know if he featured in the, the training montage Celtic put on Saturday yep. Whether he's still, you know, having talks or whatever's going on, we don't know. Uh, but we'd be hopeful that he would be back. A fully fit Kyogo, of course, would be nice to see, as well as the excitement over the new guys, Miff. But, you know, could be a very interesting lineup. Well, that's the thing. We, we just simply don't know. What a chat about Shot and Vickers being, being signed permanently, which would be welcomed by me, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we just don't know. And it's hard to tell because Kyogo was injured, Jota was injured. You don't really know what you're going to get, but that, that that was the whole point of the signings. The signings were there to add depth to the squad so that you did have other options rather than it being left on Johnson because it looked like the responsibility was, was weighing pretty heavily on Johnson. I think he's best used sporadically, certainly at this point in time until he gets his confidence back. So um, I'd seen, interestingly enough, I'd seen on one of the um, stills, I'd seen James Forrest training and sprinting alongside the rest of the team, which I thought was, was really good news. Yeah. But by the same token, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming by the, the signings and the links that we've had that I'm not saying Ange doesn't fancy James Forrest but he's probably thinking that he's not robust enough to kind of keep up with the regime Maybe. is how I'm looking at things which is probably quite unfortunate given how how regularly um, Forrest contributed to our success yeah mm-hmm. I think Ange will certainly see James as a talent but it's just whether he can rely on that and I think that's why we're seeing so many forwards and wingers either brought in or continue to be linked with the club yeah and I think can I touch on earlier on about the kind of you know, replacements and stuff? You're saying about you know, Jota may or may not make it. And a month ago, Jota, Jota may or not making it means I'm going to get Johnson, which is a serious degree at the moment. Let's see if Johnson... Can, I know, I know, son, I know. But let's see if yep. Johnson can get out on that loan. And I really think you should get out on loan and play first team football because then you're going, oh, Jota can't make it, but Maida's there. Yeah. So that this <clears> is what you're going to get in the fully fledged Ange team is that the guy who doesn't make it is replaced by a guy who you're delighted to see in there. So you're only talking you know, tiny degrees of quality change between them, up yeah. or down. I think as well, Ange's system, you know, the intensity of it, it does rely on guys giving their tank for 50, 60 minutes. And in a good way then, you know, either putting the pot up themselves or Ange saying, right, he's done his shift. I now replace him with a guy of similar quality. And you just continue like that for the 90 minutes because at times we have flagged and we've not put games to bed. We've, you know, we've gone 2-0 up and then kind of flagged a wee bit and maybe finished 2 or 2-1. Two, I think this system allows you to go 2-0 up, refresh things at, you know, the hour mark and finish 4-0 rather than, you know, just go over the well, line. That, I mean, that, that, that would be nice um, rather than nervously seeing out games. Um, I, I see though that you've moved on to your next pet from Mikey to Big Chris. Oh, aye. Mikey is my number one, but I'm a fan of Julian yet. Yeah, Julian, 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 the great pretender. I, I, I really do feel his stock has risen when being out the team rather than the his product effect. on the part. Yeah, um, I seen that, your snipey wee tweet. Yep, I, I just <laughs> it think, doesn't go unnoticed. I just think again when you talk about about levels, I, I think he's he's a good player. I think he's got a part to play in the squad. 
but I, I don't think he is what everybody or a lot of fans seem to be making him out to be. There, there wasn't Aye. that evidence there prior to him getting, getting injured. I don't think he's brave enough to play Ange Ball. And that's the big thing Ange looks for. And, you know, I, I've, I've been critical of Starfelt. One thing you can't say is that he's not brave. You know, he keeps putting himself in there. He keeps taking the ball out of defence. Maybe he shouldn't. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's certainly a brave enough guy with the talent he's got to keep on doing that. I don't think Julian's a brave player. I really don't. Did you not see the way that he tackled that post against Dundee United? <laughs> I, I, if he was any better the guy a player, run through a post for you. If he was any better a player, he wouldn't have had to do that. It was his lack of awareness that put himself in that position to hit that post. A hundred percent. Barkas's nonsense. That's what that's what he done to keep us a clean sheet. I think we won that game three 0 that day, and this is the thanks he gets. Guys like you throwing him under a bus. It's just your pity. I, th- I think let's see is where I'm at with Julian. I'd love him to come in and you know be this completely different player. He's certainly you know he's the most expensive centre half we've ever signed. So I'm prepared to give him a chance, but. I, think, I don't think it's also, the final answer. Well, I think we need to look at him in two ways. Of course, his main job will always be to, de- to defend. He scored huge goals for Celtic. You know, the League yes. Cup winner. Yes. Uh, whatever that was, 2020, 2019. And he scored against uh, Lazio, Lazio, the winner there, and a couple of other big goals. So, yeah, you know, I think I think he's very capable defensively, but Ange is such a, you know, a, a forward-thinking manager that he'll be saying, where can I also utilise this guy? Not that we're going to kind of lump balls up, you know, and we'll get, get him in the box and go like that, but... If at times you're looking for something different from a corner, because listen, we're struggling at corners. We offer very little at the moment, set pieces and corners. There's nothing really there. He's clearly shown an eye for for goal. So if he can, you know, take care of things defensively and add goals, it's a big asset. Well, there's no point in having a seven foot centre half if you can't beat the first man for a corner. Well, this is true. It all comes down to the, the delivery coming in. But I, I do think he's got a huge part to play. And listen, the good thing about this is we'll all be able to sit down in four or five months' time and look at the season and say, here's exactly how he fared. So him and Mikey Johnson you, you will be... You are right out on a limb. <laughs> right out on a limb. <laughs> I said a while ago, bury me on a Mikey Johnson-shaped hill, <laughs> but also will be a bit of Chris Julian shaping aye. around it as well. Just to go back to the Hibs game uh, in general, I mean... As I said, there's a lot of uncertainty as to what our lineup will be and Tabs' lineup, I suppose. But would you lads be as bold to make a, a prediction at this at this stage or is it just a very hard one to call? Stick with the 9-5. 9-5's uh, all around. Uh, a prediction. You go first, James. 4-1. 4-1 Celtic. I, I think this is the, the reset to the football we were seeing early on against uh, Dundee and St. Byrne and stuff like that. They're going to be Plenty of goals. crazy tempo. Yeah, 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 hard to live with. I'll go 3-1 Celtic. Yeah. I have to say... Whether it's just, you know, the way it's landed with the three-week break or whatever, I'm really quite excited, you know, touch wood and stuff, we get back to Celtic Park, but it's it's a real one to look forward to. It? Monday night football, floodlights, all the new signings, all the buzz are going back to it. We've not seen Ange in a few weeks. It'll be a real one to look forward I've to. I've missed him. Yeah, yeah, I have missed him. What about your wee fella? Is he excited? I, I, again, it's just a case of getting back to it. There's no really a time where you ever want to be without going to the football, going to see Celtic, especially this season when we've had a bit of a renaissance for the, the nonsense the season before. So, mm. no, I, I very much excited getting back to it. And even more so when you've made signs, you know, yeah, it's exciting. You, to see. you just want to get back. You want to see how they're going to perform. You want to see what position they're going to play and how the team's got to line up. All those things, it just adds to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. What I'm going to do now, just a very quick look ahead at what we've got in the remainder of January because after that, the games yeah. really do come thick and fast. And it's actually quite an intense end to the, to the month before that big game on the 2nd of January unless if we feel like it unless if we feel like play that card and Mm -hmm. and we bump that fixture down the line Uh, we'll play if we want you would only do that if you're playing 4 for though maybe so so we've got Hibs obviously uh, on Monday coming 17th of January then it's Allo in the Cup on Saturday you going to that Miff? the Indo Drill Stadium I don't know time will tell Um, then we've got Hearts on the 26th at Tyne Castle 
and then Dundee United at Celtic Park in the 29th. So, I mean, that's three tough league games, Hibs, Hearts and Dundee United. You know, their teams that have been there or thereabouts towards the, certainly the, you know, the top half, top six of the table. And every point's a prisoner, James. We can't afford to, to even draw any of those games. So you'd really be hoping that we get nine points out of nine before that big game. I mean, there's just, we've dropped the point that we can drop this season. There's there's no points available to drop now because we know how um, tight it's been. I think our competition for the league, I, th- I think they will drop points between now and the end of February, but we can't be looking over that fence. We've just got to keep doing what we do and win every game. There just, there's no no margin for error here. Yeah, do you see it like that, Muff? Uh, again, I think it depends on events that have yet to happen in terms of January and, and what that will bring with movements in and out for, for both, both yeah. Celtic and Rangers. So it's just, it's just the way it's all set up is just really interesting. And that, this is what we wanted. This is what we hoped for at the start of the season to be around this time of the year, making signings to bolster the squad to still be in contention. And we are, we've got a trophy in the bag. I mean, it's reasons to be cheerful as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, from a fan's point of view, it's definitely, you know, stuff to be excited about. But James, you mentioned there, and I think you're, you're pretty accurate, there's there's no room for error. You know, it's very tight margins. Do you think the players will be feeling that pressure or how do you think Ange will approach that? Will he be calming them down, creating a siege mentality? How do you think it'll be looking internally? That uh, Andy Hudson podcast, he, he touched on it and he, he's, he's not a results guy, he's a performances guy. So what he'll be putting into the players is how you perform with your teammates and yourself, you know, how hard you work for your teammates, how how we get through the game together. It, it won't be looking at, you've got to win this, this and this. You know, and there'll be no talk of that at all. It'll be all about pure excellence within yourself. Yeah, I do remember hearing Anne speaking about controlling the controllable. So he mm. won't say, you need to go out there and get those three points. He'll break it down and say, as a defence, this is what you need to do, you know, as a forward line. And I, I've no doubt, Matt, that he'll be ensuring the guys are in a good, you know, headspace, you know, you as much as anyone can get quite uptight and quite nervous about results and dare I say pessimistic is that too harsh? I don't know just you've been hurt before nah I've been hurt before can't can't be letting myself go go too far but (laughs) in fairness I think in in recent years you win some you lose some that's fair enough we had went so long under Rodgers just consistently winning that I think it makes when, when you do lose the first one whether that be trophy you know Derby game, whatever it was, it stings that wee bit, that wee bit more. Um, Especially when it's self-inflicted. Well, there is that. <laughs> but more, more recently, it feels like we're the ones playing catch-up. So I'm just quite intrigued as to see how this develops. It's just been a, it's been a, a unique season this season because we've had somebody come in just completely fill left field. It's it's not like anything we've we've had before and it's fresh and exciting I'm just loving it Yeah, I'm exactly the same I was speaking to one of the guys through our football on Saturday and I was saying without being too dramatic it's as much as I've enjoyed following Celtic in a long time mm-hmm. you know and we've had some brilliant seasons and great successes and nine in a row and quadruple trebles and you know other successes under Martin O'Neill and you know great European nights Th- this is really really enjoyable I think that's as close to the news first season as that was a real you know that 6-2 game as a something's changed here Hold on. Hold is, on it co- a- is it because I'm back in your life, lads? Is that what I- <laughs> that is, yeah. That is mainly what it is, man. Yeah. But there's some that, and that stuff ting- going that on. That tingle feeling. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it, Anil's first season, I would completely agree. It's close to that. similar vibes to that in terms of just the excitement you're getting with every game coming. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. James, as we start to wrap things up for today, have you any final thoughts ahead of this first game of the new year? Head of the game, yeah, just very, very excited for it. You know, just, we're, we're talking about it there. Football's been away for a few weeks. Getting it back, getting a Monday night, 
under the lights, you know, Monday night football, I can't even think of me last or if ever yeah. did, you know. Um, that, the signings, Ange getting that, that team the way he wants it to be. There's a lot going on at Celtic just now and I'm loving every bit of it. Did we know of a Monday night game against Tibbs last season? That when Nisbet maybe scored in the last match? A post-Dubai thing. Well, here's a question. Regardless <laughs> oh, of d- Dubai. Hey. Oh, we've we've, we've done it. so well. Loving yeah. it, man. Out with that one, when would you last ever have found yourself at Celtic Park on a Monday, Muff? Well, we weren't there, were we? Because That's what I'm saying. We were, so we aside from that, eh, protesting, sack the board? <laughs> Probably. Aye. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I, that's a good, good question. When was Sinky down there throwing the fences last year? Was that a Monday? Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll need to get to that. Muff, same question, I suppose, for yourself. Where are you at getting into this first game of the season? Uh, the, the, the new year, sorry. Just, um, just excited, but... We're getting at the big build-up. It's got to be on each now. It's got to be on each. Um, and there is that pessimism I spoke ah, about. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm back, I'm back. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited. It's just, I'm more excited actually to see what team lines up as in the makeup of the, the, the starting 11. But it's going to be, it's going to be fresh, going to be exciting and more implementation of the way Andrew wants to play. Yeah, definitely. An exciting time for Celtic and it's one to look forward to. So after a break of just over three weeks, we'll finally get to see our new look Celtic team take to the field on Monday night at Celtic Park. We might be there, we might not, but either way, it's the start of a crucial period for the team as they look to get back on track in the title race. Thanks to Miff and James for joining me in today's show and of course, our thanks to you for tuning in. Please continue to support the show by liking, subscribing and sharing this episode far and wide with your Celtic network. But in the meantime, and as always, thanks for listening. Podcast Network.